Hello, everybody, and welcome to From the Mezzanine. I'm your host, Lindsay Stone, and let's get into this week's episode. How is everybody doing? Happy New Year. It's a little bit belated, I know, but I have not recorded an episode since two weeks ago, and so I am here to wish you a very happy New Year. I hope it was amazing. I enjoyed being home so much. It was absolutely lovely to go back to Texas and see my family for a solid, like, seven days, and then I thought I was going to get back and be all sad, like, oh, I miss my family. Like, oh, it's so nice in Texas. But I got back and I mean, yes, of course I missed my family, but I was really happy to be back in New York um, because I just love it here and I'm I'm happy to be back and get the new year started. So many New Year's resolutions or, you know, I just like to call them goals going forward, like self-improvement things. And one of my resolutions is to just devote more time to the podcast because, yes, it is a constant train of thought in my head thinking about it, which I love. I love this podcast, but in the new year, I very high hope since 2023 was like kind of a rebrand moment for the podcast, moving to New York and really like going hard with the pod. And then in 2024, going forward, I just want to continue to work really, really hard. And I am so excited to get this episode started because guys, I have a special guest on the podcast this week. Jonathan Sayer, who you may know from his many mischief productions, Peter Pan Goes Wrong, The Play That Goes Wrong, and currently right now off-Broadway at the New World Stages, Mind Mangler is playing. Jonathan Sayer, along with Henry Lewis, are incredible in this show. Mind Mangler, we're going to talk about it a little bit in the interview in a few short moments, but Mind Mangler follows this illusionist and If you're familiar with any of Mischief's shows, a lot of things go awry, they go wrong, and it is so, so funny and honestly the best time. If you want to ensure you're going to have a great time, and I will also say you can pretty much bring anybody to their shows like, and they're going to enjoy it because you laugh, you're terrified at some moments because of all of the mishaps and mayhem that goes down and the chaos that ensues, but good Lord, is it like the best time I can have on Broadway possibly. So without further ado, guys, I'm so excited to welcome Jonathan to the podcast. Hi, Jonathan. Welcome to From the Mezzanine. We are so happy to have you on. You're actually our first interview that we have had which is such an honor. Yeah. I love that. That is good. I didn't know that. I'm honored. Yes. Okay. So if any of my listeners are unaware of Jonathan Sayer, he is an ingenious actor. He has incredible comedic ability. He is currently off-Broadway in Mind Mangler. And um, he, don't just take it from me, he has got so many accolades. He has performed in 49 countries. He's an Olivier Award winner. And he wears many, many hats within the Mischief uh, Theater Company, including writer, director, actor, producer, all of the things. Jonathan, welcome. <laughs> I will say thank you. What a, what a very pleasant and kind introduction. Thank yes. you so much. So how are things going over there at Mind Mangler? They're going very well. Um, it's obviously been just a, a, a phenomenal kind of, we're into a new year now, but we've, yeah. we've, it's, been, it's been really lovely to spend so much time in America in 2020, in the beginning of 24. We did Peter Pan Goes Wrong in, on Broadway and in LA, and it's been really nice to come back and do a show off Broadway. Like it's really fun doing something at New World Stages because play that goes wrong is in there as well. Yep, just um, upstairs, right? 
So there's a real kind of mischief family kind of vibe. And it's been fun to do, a, you know, something a little bit different as well. That's, that's still a big inclusive kind of comedy. Yes. But it's a little different from the kind of usual goes wrong show. Um, and that's that, that has, you know, has a bit of magic in which has been really fun. And um, it's been fun to bring something new out here. Oh, my been gosh. Really I, I went and saw it a couple of weeks ago. And I don't expect you to remember this one performance, but it was so hilarious because at one point in the show, I don't want to give too much away, no spoilers, but at one point in the show, y'all ask for like an animal, somebody to shout up an animal, any animal. People are saying dog, cat, lion, all kinds of stuff. And then you heard from the back of the audience, somebody say, I'm going to butcher this because I never heard of this before, like a tassel horny wobble gong. Do you remember that at all? I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. And you- We've had some absolutely brilliant um, animals in that section. I, I think maybe what happens as well is that people n- now know maybe that bit's coming up. So they've 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 come prepared. Oh. without animals but yeah that was so funny <laughs> and then because the, the the framing of that section is that is that um so, so the, the show is about a mind reader who's very bad right right reader. let's take a few steps back real quick and talk about that part of the show so the premise yeah go ahead the premise is um keith or the mind mangler is here off Broadway doing his one man show. <laughs> and he's a very proud mind reader, but he's not very good at it. And he doesn't have just one skill. He has very many skills. <laughs> he has many skills and they're all based loosely on like his his senses, which are in some way heightened. So, you know, he has a heightened sense of smell and that allows him to smell <laughs> the playing cards that audience members are thinking of. And he has the ability, he has different touch because he can touch those who've passed onto the other side. And there's all this very silly stuff. And and basically it's the story of him trying to get through the show, but he does have an audience plant that is <laughs> that is me, who's right. his friend. And um I get up as lots of different audience members. And there's one bit where he tries to hypnotize me accidentally hypnotizes himself and then i pick up the baton the baton of trying to do the act and then me and the audience hypnotize him to be an animal it's a nice moment for me because i get to have a bit of fun at henry's expense right find the ludicrous animal that then henry has to kind of act out in front of all of us and we yeah we had that wild animal that i've, I've never heard of I don't think I'll ever hear it again. And I don't, for... I tried to figure out what it was. I still have no idea. I couldn't find anything. <laughs> so yeah, you play sort of his sidekick, his right-hand man, but the audience isn't supposed to be privy to the fact that, at least early on, that he has this like audience plant. And then uh, Henry Lewis plays the mind mangler. And uh, yes. so with all this audience participation, what mm. is the craziest thing that you can remember has happened? Like. Have people gotten too far into it or shouted something out? Like what? Or do y'all like y'all are genius improvisers. So I'm sure you just take it as a challenge. But has anything ever happened? There's never been anything kind of non-constructive, I suppose. The, like the, 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 sh- the shout outs from the audience are always like, I think we're really lucky. And then lots of people know our work. So they kind of know the they know the kind of place that work sits and they know that they can influence the show. And generally speaking, we don't have a fourth wall in our shows. So so they, they, but usually the shout outs are really, really helpful. Like um, I think what's very interesting is, and this is, this is for Peter Pan as well. American audiences 
are far more supportive than UK audiences in regards to like helping the character out. Okay. So in the UK, I think people will try and trip us up a little bit more or try and trip Keith up, the mind mangler. Whereas here, there's a lot more like, you can do it. Yeah. We're a little more supportive, maybe. And then, yeah, being a little cheeky with it, probably. For sure. But I'm trying to think if we've had anything like really, really, like the animals are are always crazy. Yeah. But there's a bit, and gets people's jobs and we've had some absolutely yeah. jobs that, that people reveal we had someone who worked for like the <laughs> we had someone whose job was they worked for like the secret service so they were like i can't say what i do no and that way. was fun. but they were kind of up for they That's wouldn't so talk, I, whether it's true or not we obviously there's no way of knowing i tell you what i tell you the best moment we've ever had in the show um there's a moment where henry says i'm going to work out what your jobs are uh-huh. And he went, you know, he goes to different audience members and he said to one person, what do you do? And the person was a magician. And he <laughs> was like, oh, for goodness sake, for God's sake. Um, and asked him what kind of like magic he did. And the guy was like Rubik's Cubes. And Hen just happened to have a Rubik's Cube right. in his pocket because it's later in the show. So he just had yeah. this mixed up non-magic Rubik's Cube. And he just said, OK, then solve this threw it into the audience and the guy threw it back immediately completely solved no way that that was very cool that's crazy that was, that's so funny and i think everyone must have thought it was like an arranged Planned. bit and it, so we were like we were like you don't know how incredible that is because you all think <laughs> it's just a joke and it's not like this has just happened this is just genuinely <laughs> he's just done a magic trick the audience have literally just totally bamboozled the magicians on stage. That's we have amazing. no idea how that's been done. So that's probably the best audience interaction we've had. That's amazing. And while you're watching all of the Goes Wrong shows, I saw Peter Pan. I've seen the play that goes wrong. After Peter Pan Goes Wrong was the first mischief production that I saw. And after that point on, I was like, anything that comes, I'm going to. Because I saw that y'all call yourselves ridiculous escapism when you go to these shows you feel like you're escaping and you totally do I sat back in my seat and I just knew like with everything that goes wrong you're so like enveloped in what is going on on the stage and you just know you're gonna have a fun time but with talking about you know the audience members and all that has there ever it's so hard as an audience audience member to be able to tell like okay this has to be planned this seems choreographed but it's hard to see where that line is drawn of like wait is something actually going wrong like was that intentional has there ever been i know like all of the set design things that crash and like anything that you could imagine going wrong possibly goes wrong has there ever been a moment where like a set piece or a prop maybe was changed and like something actually went wrong Yes, um, for sure. I mean, oh, wow. there's kind of different versions. Like, yeah, quite often, if something goes wrong, it actually means it's 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 a it's a weird one. It kind of means it's gone right because it probably <laughs> means that something that's comedically supposed to set on fire or move to the wrong place just doesn't. Yes. So you just have to go into a world of oh, that joke's not happening tonight, and you and you move on. There's probably yeah. one or two of them every show, or you know, at least one a show because oh, really? there's so. Many- X that are firing in the shows and different things that there's always like a little moment where you're just like, oh, that's not particularly if it involves sparks and pyros and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but then involve like actual goes wrong, like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do moments? <laughs> um, like the silliest moment ever. And and 
I've never managed to tell this story in a way that totally does it justice comedically. But when we were first touring the play that goes wrong in the UK, um, there's a moment where the curtain goes up to start act two and all the actors are trying to like fix the set um, or like trying to, or, or are just like reading books and don't, don't you know, they've not realized that the curtain's gone up. Oh, and then everyone yeah. gets seen, the curtain goes back down and the curtain comes up and everyone's gone. The set is perfect, except for in the three actors who are, the four actors who are carrying on the scene are all there in position. So it's a nice little funny moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there was a guy who used to do a different thing every night. So he'd have, he'd read a book, he'd read a newspaper, he'd be doing a crossword. Um, and it became a bit of an inside joke of like, what are you going to do today? Um, you know, he'd have a, a chocolate bar or something. And then one day he he brought on this entire basket of raspberries, um, <laughs> which is a no-no. You shouldn't bring uh, food. You shouldn't have food in costume, but you certainly shouldn't have food right. on the stage during the performance, particularly fruit. Um, and... So he did the moment where the curtain goes up and he was caught eating the raspberries. And then he went to exit and he somehow got trapped in the curtain <laughs> as it was going down. <laughs> and the audience could see this. I don't think the audience even saw that he had these raspberries because it was such a small incidental moment. Right. But he got in the curtain and he just panicked <laughs> and just went, ah! And he <laughs> threw like 100, 200 raspberries up in the air and they all landed all over the floor. <laughs> and then the curtain came up and we all had to just do the show. <laughs> Raspberries everywhere. <laughs> and so we were all trying very hard not to break, as you guys would say. And like, right. you know, it was very funny because it's just like, no, and you can Random. hear the audience. Yeah, and you can hear the audience being like, what's on the stage? Yeah, was that think- planned? Like. That's so weird. <laughs> and as the show went on, obviously we're running around, we're rolling about. So all the stage becomes incredibly slippy because it's got smushed raspberry everywhere. <laughs> and then every time a new person enters the scene, they don't know that the raspberries are on there because oh the guy was gosh. really embarrassed and didn't tell anyone. So every time a new person would come on, they would look at the floor and be like, what? Why are there raspberries everywhere? And then they would start laughing. So the whole show was just was just a chaos. So that's probably the most, like the biggest and most like Absurd. silly thing. Because it was the whole second act, like 50 <laughs> minutes. And, and there were people falling over. If you had a cream costume on, like you looked like you were covered in blood by the end of the show because like, there was juice everywhere. So that's, that's the thing goes wrong moment. What I would pay to have been there to witness that. That is so funny. (laughs) I love that. So the early days of mischief, right? I was I was reading up on how y'all's troop was formed. Y'all all went to Lambda together. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, we all trained at Lambda. We trained. We had a teacher called Adam Megiddo who taught improv. He's also the director of Peter Pan Goes Wrong and Magic Goes Wrong. Oh, okay. But we all totally fell in love with his classes. So the history of the group is we took long-form improv comedy shows to the Edinburgh Fringe and did gigs in London. And then when we left drama school, when we left Lambda, we kind of all said, well, we want to keep this going. So we started writing stuff together. Particularly Henry Henry and myself started writing comedy shows for the team. Um, and then we'd kind of all develop them and workshop them together. Um, and that's kind of why The Play That Goes Wrong was born. And then we've we've just kind of been carrying on 
ever since really but that's that's the history we started as an improv group uh -huh. and we kind of had a shared passion for for doing very silly work that makes people laugh that's for sure it definitely achieves that um, so whenever y'all started over at Lambda, uh, I heard that at the Edinburgh Fringe, at one point, there were more people on stage in the cast than there were in the audience. So y'all started out humble beginnings and look at you now. Oh, yeah. Like, well, we, we used to do these gigs in particularly in London. Well, when we were starting out, we'd do kind of like late night on a Saturday, late night on a Sunday. And yeah. you know, sometimes we'd be full in there. Sometimes there'd be very very small audiences yes i do remember the show you're 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 mentioning yeah it was it was actually in london and yeah there was about i think there were seven of us on stage and we had an audience of six <laughs> yeah. uh, thankfully those days are, are are gone now but yeah like um and I, I actually think those shows are kind of important if you're starting out in comedy be that maybe in stand-up or, or or in what we're doing like i think those shows or just in general having having the experience of working together as a unit company in smaller, more intimate venues, maybe uh -huh. not as intimate as six members of the audience. <laughs> but certainly like, yeah. But certainly <laughs> having those intimate venues, like the, it really like it builds this kind of just a sense of like, Come we on. all know collectively when to move, when to speak, when to stop, when to hold, you know, what the rhythm of this moment is supposed to be. So I, th I think those moments are, I'm so thankful for for having done those shows weirdly because because I, I think they've they've made us better at what we do and and actually like there was really fun moments back then you know all turning up in taxis or in taking the set on the on the subway or the underground oh my gosh home. that's you know, wild it was so much fun yeah humble humble beginnings and now y'all have shows all over nationwide. And to bring it back to Mind Mangler here in New York right now, that's playing until January 28th. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, yes. So that character is actually based off of a show that y'all did over on the West End called Magic Goes Wrong. Is that right? That's right. So we made a show called Magic Goes Wrong, which was written by Henry, Henry and myself, plus Penn and Teller, the yes. Vegas magicians. Yes, yes. I have so many questions about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we did the show. We did that show with them. And that show is huge, like in, in regards to like its scale, because there's all these very large illusions and it's about all these different magicians performing um, in kind of memory of, of someone to raise funds for people who have been injured during performing magic. No way. And oh my God. Yeah. And That's two of genius. the characters were, <laughs> two of the characters were um, this mind reader and his his audience plant is stooge and we just found them so much fun to perform and like even like personally like even more fun to write like it's it just kind of felt kind of bottomless the different scenarios that this character could get themselves into and 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 then um we just thought wouldn't it be fun to to try and do a show with just those two characters and really like strip back what we do so you know having a smaller cast not having um huge huge illusions it being a smaller more intimate kind of comedy and it's been so much fun we did an hour-long version of it at the edinburgh fringe and that was tremendous fun and then we did a big uk tour and took it to the west end um for a few nights and then out and then and now we're here and and it's been it's been a really really lovely it's been a really lovely thing to do and really fun to to experiment with those characters and see them grow and like i'd say that out of all our shows like this one has a, an incredibly high 
kind of rate of joke. Mm-hmm. But also, um, and hopefully you'll you'll um you'll agree, um, it's got some really good magic in. Like as the show goes yeah. on, the magic gets it does. Mag- yeah, the my manga starts to have a few victories and the audience are left being like, how have we done that? That was really funny, but also that actually was very good magic. Right. No, without a doubt. I was I was equally excited because I knew it was going to be such a hilarious night, but then I was also super excited to just be wowed because that's what we all go into seeing an illusionist expecting. But I wasn't expecting yeah. it with y'all because I was like, everything's just going to go wrong. There's not going to actually be any like serious magic, but there is. There is some moments like at the very end where everything just kind of the puzzle pieces all come together and you're like, Whoa, like he, I can see why he's the vine mangler, right? So working with Penn and Teller, I have to ask about that. Did did they like break the cardinal rule of being a magician and have to give away some of their secrets to you guys? Well, well I suppose in, in a sense, yes. Yeah. But yeah. in a in a you know, in a super like so Henry Henry Lewis has has is kind of like a a, a magician apprentice, I would say. Like he did a lot of magic when he was young. Oh, and he's really, really and he's super into magic. So he could already do bits of magic. Um, but yeah, no, I think we, we one of the really nice things working with Penn and Teller actually was, was how incredibly trusting and open they were about all of the, particularly like the tricks that they'd created. Like, you know, some yeah. really big, there's the sawing someone into halves trick. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but yeah. like, they, they, you know, and we were like, oh, we love that trick it's so clever it's and it really fits with what we're doing because it kind of has a goes wrong moment written into it and they were just like oh right. we should put it in the show. and they gave us that trick they literally gave us the kit and said we'll fly it back from vegas and and you know you you can use that when you when you open in the west end so they were so giving yeah they were so very patient in the sense that like certainly i was very new to magic so you know it was every day was a school day and you know they patiently explain how stuff was done and um it was it was a really magical time, and we we wrote it all, kind of plotted it all out, and planned it all, and came up with who the characters were in Vegas, and then the three of us took it back and and kind of wrote it, and then we'd we'd speak on the phone and um you know they, and, and work on it together over a long period of time, but um it was it was fantastic working with them. Like I cannot, like we're still in touch, and they're, they're just they they were just brilliant. They're just really brilliant people, That's like so fantastic. Cool creative minds and just like they're very like, particularly penny's very good at being uh being publicly complimentary uh-huh. and then british I'm less good at that but <laughs> like, they're, they're 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 not only very good magicians but if you follow their career they're like real innovators innovators of of the art form you know oh, they're okay. real like they're, they 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 changed a lot of a lot of how magic works. They're, they're brilliant. They're just brilliant, brilliant people. It was so nice working with them. That's just too cool. So y'all get to be so creative with so many of the ideas that you bring either to the West End, to Broadway, uh, to your national tours with Peter Pan Goes Wrong, with The Grown Ups Show, and now with Mind Mangler. Y'all come up with all of these ideas. Has there ever been an idea that maybe was like, you know, left on the cutting room floor that you wish you could have seen come to stage? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, there are other ideas, but I, I probably like, like I mean, I, we're we're pretty young. I'm only thirty five, so I don't I don't so think so much in a, time a, left to do it all. You can bring it all. Yeah, yeah, nothing feels like oh well, that's that's gone, and we, sure. we, we won't be able to do that. You know, there's there's lots of ideas. Some goes wrong. Some not goes wrong. Yeah. Um, and you know, one would hope we'll we'll carry on making work and making people laugh and and getting to 
getting to try them out. We did a series as well called The Goes Wrong Show, um, two series on the BBC. Okay. And, and, and that was quite fun for... So every week was a different 25-minute play that goes wrong, essentially. Oh. So that was quite fun for trying all the different genres. And, you know, if you had an idea that you couldn't do on stage for two hours, but you could do for 20 minutes, you know, with, with, with the ability to say cut and go again. Yeah. Um, it was by that stuff. So we did one episode called 180. The, 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 um, it was like an American drama, like a kind of like a ten, Tennessee Williams play. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, the, the joke was that the, sh- the, the play in itself was called 90 degrees and it was because of the, you know, the Midwestern heat that they were all living in. But the stage designer had misunderstood and seen the title and thought that was a direction on how to build the set. So the set was built at 90 degrees to the ground. <laughs> we did the whole thing on the wall. So you couldn't do that eight times a week. You'd, 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 you know, you'd end up just so injured. But we were like, for two days, we can do this. And you could only film things in like four minute chunks at the most oh, because you, like, you were basically in a sit-up position. So you, you, you were just cramping but that's that 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 series was really fun for for doing those ideas that were a bit trickier to bring to it to a live theater. I know what I'm going to be binging this weekend. I'm going to be watching all of those. That sounds so good. And I'm very glad to hear that nothing is off the table. Y'all have lots of plans it sounds like and uh, I just cannot wait for what's coming next. I love everything that y'all do. Thank you. Thanks for thanks for having me on. This yes. Really thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for coming on. And uh, everybody, go and see Mind Mangler at the New World Stages. And is Peter Pan Goes Wrong still playing in L.A.? No, that is that is finished. Oh, but okay. hopefully, but hopefully it will come back to to America Frank. later later in the year or, or or sometime the year after this. Oh, I hope so. That that show changed my life. It was so so good. I probably haven't laughed that much in a long time. Thank you so Thank much you. Jonathan for coming on. A pleasure. Thank you so so much. Yes, of course. Bye. Bye. All right, hi guys. We're back. Oh my gosh, wasn't that so fun interviewing Jonathan and just talking to him and and like dream come true territory because I have just adored everything that they do. And so to actually be able to sit down and have a conversation and ask these questions that I've actually wanted to ask for so long, like what could I, like what's actually gone wrong? How did y'all start this? Like what was the idea behind that? Um, but thank you once again, Jonathan, for coming on the podcast. Literally had the best time ever. And I'm so happy that he was my inaugural interview on on from the mezzanine. And I hope that, you know, we get a few more interviews in the new year. But that was truly incredible. And did I just have the best time talking to him? But let's get on in to what we typically do here around from the mezzanine, which is let's talk about Broadway grosses. This week, I have heard that there has been some crazy things going down over in the Broadway grosses because it was the new year. So many people, everybody and their mom and their cat were in the city and a lot of people were going to see Broadway shows. And I heard that a couple shows hit the four million doll hair mark, which is crazy. Um, And also we're like missing one week because last week we didn't do Broadway grosses. So this might be a little bit surprising to see where some shows are falling since we haven't been looking at it week to week. So without further ado, let's check it out. The Lion King is number one at 
4.3 million dollars this week. Holy cow. I've never seen a number like that. And I can also see the previous week's grosses and they were just over 3 million. So last week, guys, there was a $1 million increase. I wish that happened to me. <laughs> okay, number two is Wicked, and they were also breaking the $4 million thing, whatever. So crazy. And then we have Aladdin in number three. Okay, here's where you can tell that it's a tourist week. Aladdin is number three. Typically, what is in number three is Hamilton or Sweeney Todd, and nope, Aladdin is three. And then, this is crazy, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Taurus, Taurus, Taurus. It's amazing what they can do to shake things up. But Harry Potter is four. I don't think it's ever been four when I've reported on it before. Um, but backtrack, Aladdin had 2.9 million and Harry Potter had 2.7. And then MJ, once again, with the shakeup, we still haven't even seen Hamilton. MJ is 2.6 million and below that is Hamilton. So that goes to show that actually Hamilton is not the biggest tourist show out there, which is pretty surprising to me. I thought it would have been able to stake its claim at number three, where it typically is week to week. But the fact that when everybody's coming from all over the world and these are the one, two, three, four, five top shows that they're going to go see, that's pretty interesting to me. I, I, I want to say I'm like kind of surprised that MJ is as tourist centric as it is because I wouldn't exactly think that. But it does make sense because he was, you know, a worldwide star. But I am still surprised that they beat out Hamilton. I mean, that's wild. But nevertheless, Hamilton is right behind him at number six. And then we have Sweeney Todd at seven. And then Back to the Future at eight, which is really high for them, but makes a ton of sense considering how many people are familiar with Back to the Future. And then at nine, we have Merrily We Roll Along. Wow, that's so low for them. And mind you, while Merrily We Roll Along is technically low, their grosses is high. They have just under two million for that that week. So it's still like a very highly grossing week for them. Okay. And then below Merrily, we have Moulin Rouge. I've lost track. Hamilton, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Moulin Rouge is number nine. Love that. And then we have Anne Juliet at 10. Let's see what was right behind him though. We have six at 11, The Book of Mormon at 12, Spamalot 13. Okay, cool. I'm surprised that Chicago is at 14 and that they're not higher because I would think that that would be like a very big attraction to these tourists who are coming to New York that they would want to go and see Chicago. But anyways, this was a great week for Broadway grosses. The money is just coming in the bank like crazy, I'm sure. And I'm happy for all of these shows to get this this spike in their grosses. Uh, some of these shows desperately need that spike. How to Dance in Ohio, for one, that has been at the very bottom of the grosses week to week. They're still at the bottom. However, they're making a lot more money than they have had prior. And so hopefully that gives them the ability to keep pushing forward and staying on Broadway just a little bit longer. Same in that boat would be Harmony. They've, they had a really good week money-wise last week too. And so God bless. We love to see a prosperous week on Broadway. Mwah, love to see it. Let's head on into our Broadway news, guys, because there's a lot that we need to catch up on. A lot. First and foremost, the Mean Girls movie musical is coming out this week. I know so many of us are so excited for this, myself included. I'm definitely going to try and figure out when, how I can see it this week. The premiere was last night in New York, and I'm yet to see anything come out about it, but 
I had half a mind to go walk the streets and try to figure out where that was occurring, but I did not. Any hiddle hoodle, Mean Girls the Musical is going to be premiering on January 12th. Here in New York, there's like random premieres. I think we can see it a little bit earlier. Uh, not to brag, but, but it should worldwide be available on January 12th, which I'm like, couldn't y'all have just put it on like a couple of months prior and released on October 3rd? That would have been such a great PR move. And it just feels like a missed opportunity. But whatever. I feel like they probably planned that and then something happened and they had to push it out a little bit because it's Mean Girls Day. Like, why wouldn't they release it on October 3rd? That's so silly to me. But whatever, you know, I'm a marketer. So these are the things that I think of. But what we did get, though the show is not out yet, what we have gotten is the cast recording track list, or I guess it's just the soundtrack, not the cast recording. They have cut a lot of songs from the track list, which I completely expected. I knew, I knew with the vibes that this movie is giving off, they were not going to be able to stay aligned with their cheesy songs that they had written for the musical on Broadway. I love some of those songs. Don't get me wrong, but I knew they would have to cut a lot of them. And I have a feeling the ones that they kept, they probably had to heavily edit and make more relevant today. And, uh, Less cheesy, to put it nicely. Those songs are just, they're really, really cheesy. So let's talk about what songs got cut. It's like, it's like picking your favorite child. How did they cut some of these? Some of these make me really sad. But should we start with the, sh the songs that are, oh, we'll just go like by the track list. Okay, so the first song, the opening song, it's a cautionary tale. That's in it, which I think was a good choice. But then the second song that is in the movie is called What Ifs. And this is one of two brand new songs that they have added to the movie. What Ifs was not in the musical at all. And I'm pretty sure that this is going to kind of be a replacement of It Roars, which is like the cheesiest song that was in the show. It's like, I'm, the, I'm a girl living in a bum with, I don't know, it was just like, it was just teeny boppery, like, dee 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 dee, like, not good. Um, and so I'm not surprised that they replaced that song. That song needed to get cut. I totally agree with that. And then the third song that's in it is Meet the Plastics, which means that they have cut Where Do You Belong? Where do you belong? It's kind of the, uh, the cafeteria scene where they're saying, oh, those are the band geeks. Those are the jocks. Like, you don't want to sit there. Sit with us. And I can see why they would have cut that one, too, because I think that that's a better opportunity to just use dialogue and with these movie musicals they're really not trying to advertise too much that they are in fact musicals because it does cut off like a portion of the people who are never gonna go to a movie theater to go and see a musical and so I understand why they do it while I don't agree with it I do understand why and so I think that they can't have a 28 song soundtrack in this musical that they haven't technically marketed as a musical or else a lot of people are going to walk away upset. So I understand why they would cut so many. I do think it makes a lot of sense. So then they're going to do the song Meet the Plastic said that and then they're going to do Stupid with Love and then Apex Predator and What's Wrong With Me. Those are all in the show. So the songs that they cut are Fearless, Fearless, Whoa! And then Stop, which I love that song. Gray Henson sang it in the musical. And it's Damien's moment to kind of like give some like background to like why he is the way that he is. And it talks about this one summer, I think at like band camp where he is like, or no, it was like a theater camp where he was falling in love with like the lead actor 
playing the beast. It's a really funny, funny, funny song. And I'm sad that they cut it because I know Jaquil Spivey would have freaking brought the house down with it. Like he would have done so well. So I'm really sad. Maybe there's going to be like an extended version. Okay, I'm putting it into the ether. Mean Girls movie. I think that y'all should do an extended cut where Jaquil Spivey sings Stop because that's not a cheesy song. That is a good song and it's hilarious and it gives you some insight to Damien. And I'm pretty sure most everybody's favorite character in Mean Girls is Damien. Like he's just the best. And so I think they should have left that one in. That makes me sad. Okay, other songs that they cut are what's wrong with me reprise whose house is this which that's an atrocious song whose house is this it's my house now it's like reminiscent of big fun big fun from heathers but like worse (laughs) okay and then i'm just gonna go through the rest of the songs that they cut so they cut more is better the someone gets hurt reprise and do this thing so for the most part i think they cut the right songs other than stop they should have left stop in okay and then to get back to the soundtrack that actually made it They have um, Sexy, which I'm so excited for that scene. I think that's going to be so funny. And then they have Someone Gets Hurt, of course, Revenge Party, World Burn, uh, I'd Rather Be Me, Icy Stars, and then the new Megan Thee Stallion, Renee Rapp song, It's Not My Fault, do, 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 but she might leave with me, it's not my fault. I love that song. And I'm sure that that song is like going to be the credit song. Anyways, I'm happy with all of the songs that they cut for the most part, and I see why they did it. They can't stay exactly true to the musical or else it would be a two and a half hour movie. Let's see. Do we know how long it'll be? Okay, so it's an hour and 42 minutes. That's standard. Yeah, that's pretty standard for a movie. So that makes that makes sense that they would have to cut all of those songs. And honestly, I'm not bad about it for the most part, as long as they get the extended cut with Damien singing stop, because that's just that's a pity. We can't that they shouldn't have cut that one. It's so good. But as we are talking about Mean Girls, let's take a little bit of a sidestep to some Mean Girls adjacent news in that Joshua Bennett who played Aaron Samuels in the Mean Girls movie, is going to be making his Broadway debut in Spamalot as Sir Robin. I'm excited about this. I actually got to meet Joshua Bennett whenever I went to the Wicked 20th anniversary. If you're watching on YouTube, I will put our picture over here. Um, But he was so sweet and stunning. And he does look sexy with his hair pushed back. (laughs) I'm just kidding, but I'm really excited about this. I'm excited for him to be making his debut. And I think this is a great time for him to be making his Broadway debut since Mean Girls is the name on everybody's lips. So it's very beneficial for Spamalot to be making a sort of stunt casting and uh, also for his career. I love it. And people can have a lot of fun with Sir Robin, even though I feel like Joshua Bennett could have been a really good Sir Lancelot. He'll be a fine Sir Robin, I'm sure, and I'll have to go and see him in it. So he will be coming to Broadway on January 23rd. But of course, if he's coming into the role of Sir Robin, that means that Michael Yuri is going to be leaving Spamalot, which Michael Yuri adds so much to this show. He is so incredible. He's my favorite actor in the show. He is so funny and he plays it so well. 
at one point in the show, the knights who say knee are like, we don't want a shrubbery. We want you to put on a Broadway show. And Michael Yuri goes like, oh my God. And it's so funny. I love him. And so I'm really sad he's going to be leaving Spamalot, especially so soon. But there is some shakeup at Spamalot happening anyways. What with Alex Brightman coming into the role this week on January 9th, meaning that Taryn Killam from SNL is leaving the show. Alex Brightman is replacing him as Sir Lancelot. And I know Alex Brightman is going to be great, but I am sad that Taryn is leaving. Um, and then also another piece of news that I saw about Spamalot is that Ethan Slater is going to be out for two weeks and nobody really knows why. He made a post on his story saying the uh, names of the people who will be replacing him for two weeks. It's a possibility that maybe Wicked is going back into filming since they had to cancel the filming um, due to the strike. And so maybe they're picking it back up. But just for two weeks, that doesn't seem like a lot of time. But maybe that's all the time that they need to finish out box scenes. I could see that. Anyways, he removed the story or maybe it was just taken down after 24 hours but it's not up yet anymore so um kind of like a little hush hush secret of like hey I'm not going to be in it for the next two weeks which is fine like it doesn't need to be like some huge declaration but at the same time he adds a lot to the show too and he plays um the historian and the Bodfather character I can't remember his name oh Herbert of course Prince Herbert and Ethan Slater is a genius and he's amazing and so uh, him not being in the show for two weeks, I'm sure his replacements are great, but I would be sad because he's really, really great. And it just makes you wonder, like, what's going on, Ethan? But, you know, you have a right to privacy, but just wanted to let you all know that if you're going to see the show, there's a lot of change right now. We've got Joshua Bennett coming in as Sir Robin. We've got Alex Brightman coming in as Sir Lancelot. And we've got Ethan Slater's understudies in for the next two weeks. So some things are kind of feeling a little wishy-washy over there at Spamalot, but you know, all good things must come to an end. So I'm very sad for Michael Yuri to be leaving. And I wish him well in his future endeavors. He's going to be in Once Upon a Mattress that is playing at the Lincoln Center January 24th to February 4th. So it's a really short engagement. Um, but that was one reason he had to leave. And then he's also going to uh, be in a television production. I don't know what it is. But so he, he's obviously a very booked and busy man. And I can see why because he's incredible. I'm going to miss him as Sir Robin and I'm very blessed to have been able to see him. But welcome Joshua Bennett to the Spamalot team. And I'm really excited for you to have your Broadway debut. Okay, so there's been so much change since I haven't done news stories in two weeks. So we're just going to kind of like rapid fire run through these Broadway final bows, what Broadway announcements have happened, and we're just going to kind of roll through these just so we are all privy to the latest Broadway news. First of all, we got some sad news for the Kimberly Akimbo fans this week that Kimberly Akimbo is officially closing on Broadway. I know some of y'all are hurting because this is such a beloved show, and now your girl's got to go see it. Let's hope I'm not obsessed with it. Otherwise, I'm going to be so sad that I hadn't been supporting it all this time. But I will definitely go and see it. Kimberly Akimbo will be playing their final performance on April 28th at the Booth Theater. So there's plenty of time to get over there to go and see it. Um, this musical began previews on October 12th with an official opening on November 10th. So therefore, they've been on for a hot minute. And when they ultimately close their doors, they should be very proud having performed 612 
performances. So way to go, Kimberly Akimbo. You really had a great run. And oh my gosh, are you so beloved. I know so many people who adore, adore, adore your show. And I'm definitely going to go and see it now. And I know a lot of people are going to be just tragically sad. I'm feeling for you because this is how I felt about Shucked. But like I said earlier, all good things must come to an end. But it's not an official end because don't worry, they announced weeks ago that they are headed on a national tour. So get ready. They are going to be traveling to 60 cities in over 75 weeks. So odds are they're coming to a place near you if you're not here in New York and you can go and see Kimberly Akimbo for yourself. And of course, when a show announces they're closing, we have to see the reports of if they were a flop or a success. And I hate to report, guys that the Kimberly Akimbo show did not recoup their investments. It was reported by its lead producer, David Stone, that it was capitalized for $7 million, which isn't a lot, really, for a Broadway show. That's that's lower, way lower than average. I think the last time I looked, the average was like $16 million. And sadly, they have not recouped that cost, so... Prior to the national tours and everything, I hope they make a lot of money and are able to get themselves out of flop territory and, and, and be a success. But as of now, they are Broadway flop. I hate reporting that. I honestly do. I really do. Um, but that's that, guys. Kimberly Akimbo is closing on April 28th. So get over there and go and see the Tony Award winner for 2022 for Best Musical. Go and see it. I will. I'll be there. I'm going to go see it. All right. Additionally, in the spirit of quick Broadway rapid fire news and updates, we had touched on this, I think, two weeks ago that there were hushed rumors that Sunset Boulevard was maybe coming to Broadway. Well, it has been officially declared that it is coming to Broadway. We don't have too much info about it right now, such as production dates, theaters, who the casting is going to be, although it's understood that Nicole Scherzinger is likely to have signed a six-month contract and that the show will come to Broadway in the fall. So we've got, you know, just a little under a year before this is going to come. Um, but this is super exciting because if if the rumors are true and Nicole Scherzinger does come to Broadway in this show, she will be making her Broadway debut, which is just very exciting. And I know this is going to be your first Broadway show, but I do not think it's going to be her last. I feel like I feel like this is the place for her. Okay, another sad news. Some Like It Hot closed last week on December 30th. At its time of its closing, it had played 441 performances. That's really good, too. It had originally opened back in December on December 11th. So it performed for over a year. That's really good. That's really not bad. I have to imagine they didn't recoup their investments. I will do a quick Google search. Well, I can't find anything about it online, so I'm assuming maybe they didn't or maybe they're just holding that information close to their chest. Who knows? Um, There's a chance that they did, but they had a really, really big set and a really big cast. So my assumption is that they probably did not, but that is simply speculation and I do not know. Um, But 
like Kimberly Kimbo, this is not the end of Sun Like It Hot. They will launch a North American tour uh, in the fall of 2024. None of this has truly been announced, so it might not happen, but I could see this show touring. I really could. I think it would do very well on a national tour and with a name like Sun Like It Hot, it's familiar. I think it would get people in the door to fill those seats. And I think it could be a really big success on the road. So that's really hopeful for Sun Like It Hot. But for me, Sun Like It Hot stands out there. I'm feeling for you. It's so sad. Like, honestly, it feels like like someone close to you has died when a Broadway show leaves Broadway. It's just, it's, it's a nasty feeling. And I'm feeling for you some like a hot fans. I really am. Okay, our last piece of Broadway news this week is that Smash the Musical, we've been talking about this on and off, but they have officially begun their six-week workshop, and it is also casted. I'm going to run through some of the cast. The full cast will be in the show notes below. As always, if y'all don't know, all of these news stories are linked in the show notes down below, Um, and so if you want to read a little bit more into it and see my sources, it's all down there. So, the people from this cast that I know and I am very excited about is Brooks Ashminska's Alex Brightman. I feel like he's going to be like the producer for Smash or uh, maybe like the writer or director, you know, those characters who were. Um, yeah, Christian Borle was one of them. I can't remember the woman's name right now, but they were putting the Smash show on to Broadway. I feel like that's what Alex Brightman is going to play. We have Robin Herter, which she's obviously going to play Megan Hilty's character, I have to assume. Krista Rodriguez. And then we also have Yvette Nicole Brown, who's from Community. I think everybody loves her. I adore her. She's so funny. And and she's a talent. I don't know if she's been on Broadway before, but y'all would, y'all would know her if you look her up. Yvette Nicole Brown. Um, I feel like she could be a producer or maybe she's the writer with Alex Brightman. That would be a beautiful pairing. I really like them together. I like that. Okay, let's let's hope that's it. Bella Coppola from Six. I don't know who she would play. Maybe she's um, Catherine McPhee's character. Perhaps, perhaps. Anyways, for the most part, that's all the people that I uh, recognize from this. Susan Stroman is set to direct this show. She was the director of New York, New York. Um, And yeah, that's all we have for Smash six-week workshop. It's expected that this is going to be coming in the 2024-2025 season. So it's a coming. When they release a cast like this for the workshop, more times than not, some of these actors are going to be in the show. That's kind of what happens. They start to see that person as that character and then they follow through to the show. And I love it when they do that because it shows loyalty. You know, they're going to pick the actors who have been putting a lot of work and effort into their show. So we can only hope that, you know, Alex Brightman and Robin Herter are going to be in Smash the Musical. And this is obviously the hopefully the next step for Robin Herter since she just recently left A Beautiful North and TikTok girly Amber A, I don't remember her last name, um, just replaced her as Marsha in A Beautiful Noise. You better in blue jeans, babe. And so anyways, I don't know how Alex Brightman, he's about to be a very, very busy man considering he's going to be in Spam a lot and doing this six-week workshop, but props to him. I swear, Alex Brightman is everywhere. Any Broadway event I ever go to, he is always there. He is the hardest working man on Broadway. I'm saying it, and I mean it. He is, he is just everywhere. Okay, that wraps up our Broadway news for this week, but I just remembered that I forgot to tell y'all that, oh my God, I was such a creep this week, guys, and I'm so embarrassed, but like I had to, and I know y'all understand, but it was posted on Gutenberg that they were going to have a Christian from the Moulin Rouge come be their producer. 
They weren't obvious on what Christian. It could have very well been Casey Cott. But I knew in my heart of hearts, okay, Aaron Tveit's about to be Sweeney Todd this week on January 9th. Ah, so excited. I'm definitely seeing it next week. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Anyways, he's about to be on Broadway. So obviously it's going to be Aaron Tveit. I was so excited. I didn't buy tickets. Because after I did Lynn, unless it was like Adina Menzel or Kristen Chenoweth, like, I wasn't going to buy a ticket just to figure out who the producer was. Like, I'm buying plenty of tickets. Otherwise, I've seen the show four times. Don't get me wrong. But I was like, I'm not going to buy a ticket just to see Aaron Tveit go on stage for 10 seconds, even though it would have been awesome. Um, So I may have left work at a good time, the time when people typically arrive for being a producer. And I saw him. I saw him on the street. I didn't stop him because we were just walking. We were two ships passing in the night. And he was walking, I assume, from like the subway or his apartment. Um, And it was pretty awesome. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole story. I saw Aaron Tveit. I felt like a stalker. I'm not a stalker. I saw him. I was leaving work. I didn't go all the way there. You know, it really sounds more like a stalker when you start explaining yourself. And I'm realizing that now. But I did feel really uncomfortable with myself because I just like wanted to go see him. And then I saw him and I was like, what now? Because I'm not going to go up to him because I'm just not built like that. If I saw him when I wasn't expecting to see him, like in a grocery store or something, I would have to go up to him and just be like, Aaron Tveit, I love you, yada, yada, yada. But in that instance, like he was walking to the theater and and I assume he was probably like getting there on time. Like I didn't want to disturb him, but it was pretty, pretty awesome. And he was very pretty. And I, I was very tempted after that to go in and buy a ticket, but I needed to get home. Anyways, that was my um, psycho moment of the week. I uh, I did that and I have to live with that. But it was worth it because I saw Aaron today. And that's that. <laughs> oh, man, guys, sometimes being a Broadway fan is a sickness and it's a sickness that we all have to live with. That wraps up this episode of From the Mezzanine. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, please, 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 please uh, leave us a review. If you enjoyed Jonathan's interview, shout out. Go see Mind Mangler. It is going to be at the New World Stages until January 28th. It's so fun, so funny. Bring everybody. Bring your mom and your cat to go and see this show, and you will have such a good time. I cannot stress it enough. Um, also, also, yes, leave a review. Go find me on my social links. I'm on TikTok and Instagram at From the Mezzanine Podcast. And then if you haven't noticed yet, I'm also now on YouTube. So go check me out on YouTube. Go give me a subscription, a little subscribe thing and like the video and comment and and all the things the interview with Jonathan is up there also in the video format so if you want to watch the interview go check it out guys and and I, I'm gonna start uh like doing like days in my life and vlogs and you know Broadway centric from the mezzanine content over there but more than just the podcast so go enjoy that and I will see you next Tuesday bye